has come to a close And I've had my last dance with you Onto the empty streets we go And it might be my last chance with you So I might as well get it over The things I have to say Won't wait until another day You're a lady I'm a man You're supposed to Understand How these things are Often planned touch. The hospital was down a long country lane. It was one of those dark, wet, windy autumn drives that made you feel you were in a tunnel. Every now and again the lights would pick out a dazzled rabbit in the fluttering leaves. We'd met at the parish hall at seven, about a dozen of us, the Focus Junior Christian Youth Club, off to the weekly disco with the patients at Barrow Green. Huddled in the doorway, waiting for Chris to arrive with the minibus. Chris, the club leader, was in his early twenties, an insurance salesman by day. He lived up the road from me. In the mornings I could tell how late I was for school by the three goes at starting and pungent smell of backfire from his light blue Hillman imp. He always wore pointy suede shoes, flapping trouser legs and bum freezer jacket. We all thought he was a prat, especially me. My dad was the vicar, and Chris was a lay preacher at the church, always around at the house, discussing his vocation. He usually arrived at about tea time. Hi, Si, he'd say, with an embarrassed and tentative peace sign. He pulled into the car park with a peace sign. We sniggered and got in. It was a common minibus, repainted in royal blue gloss paint by the club members the previous summer. Close inspection still revealed the wasp painted into the back door. The one that opened, that is. The club was on the not-great side of OK. Most of us were just hanging on in there till we were 14 and could join the proper youth club. And the Christian stuff was a bit embarrassing. Bad enough that your dad's the vicar. We judded to a halt outside the entrance to the hospital. Through the plate glass door we could see people milling around, some of them peering out, faces distorted by distance and the rain. Giggling, we splashed across the car park, the boys showing off and the girls letting us. We'd all got off with each other at some point over the summer, just good friends now. Then down a long, green, shiny corridor that smelt of detol and polish and through black rubber slammed doors into the garish fluorescent lights of the canteen. For mica top tables had been pushed to one side of the room, and on the other was a serving hatch, where staff and patients were queuing to buy sweets and crisps and soft drinks. At the top of the room was a disco unit with two large speakers, Dave's Disco. Dave, a large man with long red hair and a moustache, who always smelt a number six and brute, was setting the disco up 
laying out his box of discs, running his fingers along them like a filing clerk and toast-racking his first selection. Two young women were trying to get his attention. Eric, the charge nurse, came up to us, dark-haired and tattooed with short-sleeved white tunic, ex-navy. Hello, boys and girls, he drawled, in pure Alex Harvey Glaswegian. Ignored Chris when he tried to shake his hand. He was accompanied by a small tubby town syndrome man. Watch out for Timmy, girls, said Eric. He's a little tinker. Timmy giggled. I'm a tinker, and then started to masturbate. We took our coats off and put them on the chairs. A few of us tentatively lit up cigarettes. The music began, and yellow, red and green lights began to flash from the disco. After a couple of minutes, someone remembered to turn the main lights off. Gary Glitter, Barry Blue, Susie Quattro, Can the Can. First of all, we all danced among ourselves in two groups at either end of the room. Then Timmy broke the ice, stood in the no-man's land between the two groups and masturbated. A nurse took him by his free hand and led him off. The music took over. Tiger feet. All practising our moves with words memorised and facial expressions mimicked. A sudden scuffle over to the left. A fight had broken out, or at least that's what it looked like. The lights went up and the disco off. Hollow cheers. Two large men were careering around the dance floor, fists flailing, tables flying. But there was no contact between them. If anything, they seemed to be trying to avoid each other. One of them rushed out of the door, sending Chris flying and leaving a stain of coke down the front of his trousers. A nurse cornered the other one up against the disco console, sat on him and thrust a towel into his mouth. Grinning and breathless, he said, Blimey, first time I've seen two epileptic fits happen at the same time. Must have been the disco lights set him off. The music resumed with the slow records. Some people were dancing in couples, others on their own. Two large women were dancing close together. One of them had to keep stopping to pull up her pants. A tall man, like that boss-eyed silent movie star, rocked backwards and forwards to puppy love. Peter Skellen's You're a Lady came on. Dave's Bristol Burr encouraged us all to get close with a special someone. I felt a hand on my arm. One of the women who'd been talking to DJ Dave. Dark, dank hair and scared eyes with too much, much too blue eye shadow. A slash of bright red lipstick, short floral dress, scars on her wrist. Hi, I'm Carol, she said. Will you dance with me? Began, began smooching, arms around each other, cheek to cheek, her perfume strong and sweet. You're supposed to understand. I felt her groin hard against mine, her leg pressing the inside of my thigh, her breath in my ear. How these plat things are often planned to be. Then she kissed me, hard-lipped and cider-breathed, not the tentative exploration of tongues, the instinctive, soft-lipped teenage kisses that I'd had with other girls, but a scream kiss, externally passionate, internally dry. I moved my head back, apparently unperturbed. She placed one hand on my shoulder and smiled and with the other stuck a safety pin into my chest, and again I felt the surprise before the pain. 
As she looked at my face with the studied concentration of a child, I pulled myself away. No one seemed to have noticed. Escaping to the toilets, I pulled up my shirt and had a look at the tiny red stigmata in the middle of my chest. When I returned to the canteen, Carol was standing in front of the disco unit, tracing one of the D's of Dave's disco with her finger. I told some of the others what had happened. They mostly laughed, said she was a prick teaser. Later, my dad said that I must have imagined it. Or it was an accident, maybe it was her fingernail. Nobody stabs anyone with a safety pin, but there was blood on my best cheesecloth shirt. The next week when we went, I looked nervously around for Carol. She wasn't there. I felt relieved. I hadn't wanted to go, but I'd been told that it was an important event for the patients and they'd feel let down. My duty, said Dad. The music started. I sat out the first dance, chatted with Wendy, watched as the floor filled. I'm your boy, your 20th century toy. I was watching Chris on the dance floor dancing a spasmodic twist with Carol's friend, his face a blank smile as they moved closer. She put one hand on his shoulder. The other moved quickly to his shoulder. I saw him mouth the word fuck before he punched her. And almost simultaneously, Andy and Phil yelped as the girls they were dancing also stuck pins into them. The lights went up. Eric, the charge nurse, appeared from somewhere and scraped the needle off the turntable. I noticed that his flies were undone. I think that's enough for tonight, he said. Everybody's getting a bit too excited. Timmy started to cry. The three girls were taken off by nurses. One of them held a hanky to her bloodied nose. After a quick word with Eric, which ended with a handshake, Chris ushered us all out to the bus. As we left, I saw Carol come out of the charge nurse's office buttoning her dress. She looked vacant and confused. Her lipstick was even more smeared than the previous week. The next Thursday, we started a table tennis league with Apex, the Methodist Youth Club. Oh, so